0: This is Anthony Pascal.
1: And this is Laurie Elster. And this is the All Access Star Trek Podcast. We are going to be reviewing episode 206 of Star Trek Picard called Two of One. But we have so much news to get through before we do that. And I'm pretty sure everybody who's listening to this podcast knows what the biggest news of the week is. Which is Star Trek The Next Generation cast will be reuniting and getting a proper send off in season three of Star Trek Picard. Cue the delighted shrieks from around the world.
0: It was a first contact day miracle. <laughs> it was. Not only did they make the announcement, they even released a little teaser. You get a, a little bit of Picard looking at his old uniform and a little of Riker and Picard saying, are you ready? And and you could hear everyone's voices.
1: I know. I got so excited with each new voice because first it was LeVar first, right? Yeah. And so you hear LeVar and then you're like, does this mean... Everybody, and you start hearing the, and then you're like, and my big thing was like, I want to hear Beverly, and I want to hear Troy, I want to make sure they're included, and in they for sure were in there. And I was, I have no cynicism, I have nothing negative to say about this. I'm only thrilled and grateful.
0: So it's Labar, Burton, Michael Dorn, Jonathan Frakes, Gates McFadden, Marina Sirtis, and Brett Spiner officially announced. They did announce character names. It's obvious.
1: I would say all of them except one are obvious.
0: Right. The only one is, <laughs> what is Brent Spiner playing? It's, I think, very, very low chance it's going to be Data. I think he's probably going to be playing Sung, Although, you know, he does have a brother that's still out there. So you never know.
1: <laughs> that is true.
0: <laughs> so um, we could be getting a little lore action. Uh, who knows?
1: I know. The problem, of course, though, is we have a you know aging issue. So I think they're going to have to go with a Sung, but what do I know?
0: This would be the Alton Inigo Sung from season 1 of Picard. Yes. Not the Adam Sung of season 2 of Picard. One would Yeah,
1: Adam it. is not a good person.
0: Very very bad man. The other thing is that season 3 is now officially the final season. They said it's at the end of the Picard saga. And uh, Terry Metalis, we've talked a lot about him on this podcast he is the sole showrunner this is his vision he has a free reign and this is what he wants to do and what he wants to do in his words is give the next generation a quote proper send off Mm -hmm. he's also made it clear he was so excited about this so he was just rattling off things on twitter and we kind of compiled all his tweets it's like these are not cameos this is them for the season i mean i'm not sure if they're all in every episode But this isn't like about an episode.
1: No, this is getting the gang back together.
0: He also promised high stakes Starship bound adventure in season three. One of his tweets said Starship's galore. (laughs) After episode one of season two, where everyone's like, oh my God, it's a Stargazer and it's Starfleet. And then we've basically been hanging out in LA since episode two. I know.
1: I know it's not the great, it's not the most compelling setting, I gotta say.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and the La Serena didn't even appear in this latest episode. I think we're not going to get any more Starship action until the finale. So he's kind of letting fans know, don't worry, we're getting back to the Federation and Starfleet and the whole, all of it.
1: And the future. I mean, I want to, I, I like that the stories are about the future. So there are a couple of questions that that everybody has. So the first one is, you know, the current cast of Picard. How is that going to work in? And and Jerry Ryan has tweeted, see who came to play. So it looks like she is definitely involved. I'd like to see Raffi back. I would love to see how she interacts with all those people. Rios, I'm a little nervous about because I love him. But I don't know if, you know, he's a captain. So do we, we don't need another captain.
0: We know that there's a ship that's part of season three. The stargazer that we saw, it's probably doubling as another ship. If they go back, Rios is on the stargazer, and maybe all of these guys are on another ship. You know, is it the Enterprise? Is it the Titan? Is it something else? So if they are on a ship, the stargazer is probably out there running around doing its own thing, and maybe they run into each other once in a while. Right.
1: Yeah, that would make sense.
0: Another question is, what about Wesley? Right? Yeah it does appear that he's not in this because he wrote a whole blog post about how he's kind of sad about it and what but then how he's happy to be involved with the ready room and but then he and he wrote some the scene of like how he imagined the mm-hmm. traveler and picard would would encounter each other i mean there's a little hope you could hold out a little hope but it does feel like wesley's not part of it if he is he's probably a one and done episode guy At most, I would think. Yeah. What were some of the other big questions people had?
1: Well, there were questions about, you know, other people from that history popping in.
0: Right. Like, if we're we're going out with a bang and you're doing anything you want and this is the nostalgia fest, then, uh, yeah, why not? uh,
1: Who else have you got? I guess is the
0: question. Exactly. Um, Especially fans of Deep Space Nine, like myself, because we've got Jerry already from Voyager. And uh, Kate's on Prodigy. And, yeah, I'd
1: love to see some Deep Space Nine people. Yeah. It's so, long overdue.
0: Like if you were to do one character from Deep Space Nine, it, I guess it just depends on the story, which we don't know yet what the story is. So hopefully it fits organically. I, I just really want to see Chief O'Brien again.
1: Yes. I mean, I think of him as a TNG guy, too. I mean, he is both. So it would make sense to see Chief O'Brien again. I would also like to see, you know, I I always think of Nancy attacks who we're not going to see because I just denied the fact that they killed her. <laughs> oh, um, they
0: could do some. They could do. They could clone her. Or, I mean, if they well, if they wanted Esri, to bring Terry so... Terry Farrell back, flashback or something. They could do it, but yeah,
1: sure, sure, they could. But honestly, any of them, you know, like I I I don't think there, there's going to be Avery Brooks, which makes me sad. But he's not doing anything like that. But anyone else they want to do will make me very happy.
0: Quark would be fun. I think they should do Quark.
1: I think he'd be fun, but I don't think he's in any rush to put that makeup back on.
0: Now, speaking of makeup, some people are like, okay, so if you've got Worf, how <laughs> is he, is he Worf Worf or is he new Klingon discovery Worf? And Batalas is like, he's, you know, good old Worf. He's Worf Worf. <laughs> they're, they're not going to, discovery cling on him. I'm sure they'll be I mean cuz uh, you know just like we've seen with the Borg queen and I, I went to this great panel last week and where they just got into how they recreated the queen and it was like intense how obsessed they were and I you know so I'm sure they did something you know just to make it better but it'll still look good because it's in high definition and right. um, they use different materials now and and all that kind of stuff so but I'm sure he looks like Worf, but he's older too, you know, so they want to make him, they have to update it in some way. Right. Although Michael Dore doesn't seem to age. He's, you know, he's no, a vegan and he's just- He's, he's a he's,
1: beautiful man.
0: Yeah, he's incredible. <laughs> but let's zoom out for a second. The question is, because some people are like, oh, this is just a cynical nostalgia thing. And, but the, this wasn't coming from the top. This wasn't Alex. This wasn't Paramount saying, bring him back. This was Terry Metalis, a super nerd, and people like Dave Blass, who like we want to do this because we feel like they deserve a send off, and it'll be fun. I mean, I I still hope that season three of Picard is about John Picard. It's a personal journey for him, and it's something about his his story. It isn't just. An excuse to have them all together, even though I'm sure there's a way to make it all work. It still should be part of Picard's story in his saga.
1: And I think it will be. I really do. Like, it's this is something that I just could, I'm completely enthusiastic about, and I want it so bad. And there's just a point at which. You know, you can keep it like, oh, we've got Picard. Oh, now we've got, well, it's not Data, but we've got Spiner. Oh, there's these little bits. But this is like, just do it. It's something Terry wants to do. You have all these people working on the show who want to do it. All of the us who want to watch it. And this cast, more than any other Star Trek cast, because of their friendship off the screen, it just makes sense. These people are tight. They're close. They're in each other's lives on a regular basis. There's a beauty to it, a poetry.
0: But I hope that all of the characters are properly developed. I mean, obviously, we know that Lavar Burton isn't going to do this unless he like is like married and, and has a normal relationship. Because yes. he's, a, you know, that's like his main thing. Is Jordy was a creeper. You know, that's just one example of they should all feel like they moved on. And he, Terry's talked about how he's talked to Michael Dorn, who we know has a lot of thoughts on where Wharf is, so that. All of these characters should feel like they're in a different place. They're not just sitting in their stations doing what they used to do, but 20 years older,
1: you know? No, look, I feel like what they did with Riker and Troy in the first season, Troy was the one I was worried about because her character was so grossly underdeveloped on the actual show, grossly underdeveloped. And so I thought that they did a great job with her. I'm usually the one who's like, I don't know. And I don't trust and whatever. And in this case, I'm just, ecstatic and i i trust terry with this
0: and we already knew that there were some people behind the scenes working on season two and season three like the agudas um, doug drexler and others and dave blas who's the production designer revealed it's it's more there's a whole bunch of other people we didn't know that are veterans of the tng era that they brought back to work on,
1: including dan curry amazing amazing so um I mean what a what a great experience it must have been shooting all that and working on it.
0: And how the hell
1: did they keep it a secret this long? Did they,
0: yeah. Well that's one of the reasons they revealed it, apparently, is because they felt like this just how how much longer can we keep this a secret? But Jonathan Frakes, I mean, I interviewed him last week and he Yeah you know, and he from a certain point of view what he said was true. Was He didn't lie, but I mean... He didn't
1: lie. He was right, but he was ready for the question somehow.
0: Yes. But that just goes into, there was only so much longer they could keep the secret um, before someone started blabbing. So the other show we're really excited about or coming up very soon in just one month, less than a month is Strange New Worlds.
1: I can't believe it's almost here. So they've been giving us... A lot of stuff. I mean, last week we talked about a couple of the character promos. We have a full trailer. We have character posters. We have all the rest of the promos and we have some pictures. We have a ton of stuff. So what do you, you know, what popped the most to you in all of that? There's so much.
0: They're definitely going for TOS vibes. It's lighter. It's a little fun. It, it's definitely lots of strange new worlds. I mean, there's different planets, different aliens. So uh, it's, it's, you know, I like the tone. Pike seems a little, he goes back and forth between kind of serious captain and almost glib. It's yeah, hard like to tell. S-
1: super loose, super loose, like really very casual. Yeah,
0: they're doing some interesting things with Pike.
1: The big thing with Pike is the difference between... So there's Pike in the trailer, who's quite different from the Pike in the character promo. So what they've chosen to highlight in his character promo is the fact that he knows about his death. And that is going to be a big part of the show, is him dealing with that knowledge.
0: Which is a big weight on him. He's kind of haunted. There's like a shot of him... like. Looking down at the display on his captain's chair, and he sees the reflection of a scarred face, so
1: right, so he's coming to terms with that, and then we have all this other footage of him being kind of like almost almost goofy
0: and you know getting some action,
1: oh yeah, like some real action I think a lot of
0: people get action in the trailers when you I mean so Spock definitely gets some action
1: well, it's new sexy Star Trek, and people are allowed to have sex. They don't have to do, like, pulling on the boots and brushing the hair. They can do (laughs) full-on, these are naked people in a bed.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure we're going to get full frontal, but uh, definitely.
1: um... (laughs) What what do you mean? Oh.
0: (laughs) But Spock, I think this is, as we talked about a while ago, him into Pring. It has
1: to be, but it doesn't, because that doesn't fit in with what we know. It could be another Vulcan woman. Is it? I think st- it is t- to Pring, but the question is, like, is it a weird dream sequence or is it really happening?
0: Well, there, there is a moment where it looks like Spock is fighting himself, like his human side and his Vulcan side are fighting himself, you know, with the Lerpas. So, yeah, I think there's definitely probably some dream sequences stuff going on. There is a shot of him and Nurse Chapel on what looks like a date and she slaps him which is exciting.
1: I mean, the Chapel one to me was interesting because she's the one who's not at all like the character that we already know. That is not the Nurse Chapel that we know.
0: No, she's super confident with a little smirk. Um, She's very competent. She does seem to have a relationship of some sort with Spock. We don't know the nature of it.
1: Right, but they do already, which already, you know, doesn't go with the canon that we know, but okay but her character's the most i would say the most different
0: a line i liked from the spock character trailer is when he talks about how he was always struggling on his home planet to prove who he was but in starfleet he's accepted for who he is and he says i'm quite simply spock and what's amazing is that is why spock resonated for so many people in 1966 and i think that's why spock can resonate. Again today, he is this wonderful character of people who feel like they're on the outside, wanting to be accepted,
1: and and finding their place. I mean, the thing is, even though a lot of people on the Enterprise—I'm talking original series now—you know—said things about Spock, didn't understand him, didn't trust. There were moments of people not trusting him. He found, you know, he and Kirk quickly became this duo that with a hundred percent trust and eventually and McCoy ribbed him and teased him and bugged him, but also felt the same way. Like eventually he saw all these people trust him and accept him for the way that he was and tease him about not being human, but it was teasing except yeah. occasionally calling him a pointy eared goblin.
0: The Babenga one was good. It was uh, you know, one little thing he said. So he is the chief medical officer. I'm fine with that just because McCoy becomes chief medical officer later. you could I'm sure you could work out at some kind of headcanon, you know, so Mbega leaves and he comes back. But McCoy sure was, you know, McCoy was senior to him or maybe Mbega was, I mean, he was only there for two episodes. So he was, he was just visiting or something. Who knows? But he seems unconventional, um, a little flocks like almost.
1: Yeah, well, because he was doing something with ground sea urchin or something like that, which I liked. And I like to sing him even with like pouring liquids and doing different That Like I like him already.
0: Very sciencey. So who have, have we talked about? Number uh, one.
1: Like- we haven't talked about number one who I think, you know, they're definitely making sure that people see this character as intimidating.
0: Yeah. She's okay. very tough for sure.
1: Um, and yet and- has this warmth. Like it's, I, I find, you know, it's great because they didn't do anything. You know, the character, there's so much room. To do stuff with her. The thing is,
0: because Pike seems a little, if he's going to be the personable guy, then it usually comes down to the first officer to, to be the disciplinarian on a ship anyway.
1: No, and we, she is tough. I mean, we saw even in the short treks, she was she was strict. She was tough. She was demanding. She has high standards.
0: Yeah. So everything that we've seen looks good. And the props. And, you know, so we haven't talked about the stuff, but just everything looks you know, the phasers are much, are, they're using the phaser rifle from Discovery, but they, they've, the phaser itself is very TOS, the tricorder, the pads, you know, so all the props, even the medical tricorder, except that it's white now, um, it all, you know, it still ha- looks like a rotating salt shaker. I mean, it's great. Yeah. Yes, it's updated, you know, if you want something to look exactly like the original series down to everything, but I don't.
1: It wouldn't make sense.
0: But I want it to evoke the original series.
1: Yes, exactly. I feel like
0: the original series.
1: And I feel like the most important thing to me is that I do think it evokes the tone of the original series.
0: Yeah, and that's the most important thing. Um, And so the Planet of the Week stuff, the lighter tone, it definitely feels very different than Discovery, which is where we saw all of these characters last. Right. Let's move on. Another tiny little project, <laughs> the, next, <laughs> the next Paramount feature film. And in fact, the, the reason why we're discussing this is because of the scale of this project. So Chris Pine has been doing publicities, did some more. He's like, I'm having meetings. I'm talking to people at Paramount. I love doing Kirk. All that stuff is great. Then he got into this whole discussion with Deadline, who's kind of the right place to do it. He's saying there's this thing about the billion dollar movie as a shorthand for going for Marvel kind of money, which no Star Trek movie has done. Even adjusting for inflation, Into Darkness got roughly half a billion, maybe 550 if you, you know, adjust for inflation. You know, this is why the follow-up to Beyond didn't happen. They looked at 2009, they looked at Into Darkness, and they assumed that they would continue ratcheting up. Therefore, the fourth one would be the billion-dollar movie, I think, is what he's saying. And He's saying that's just not that, that Star Trek isn't in that zone, but that there is a movie to be made that could maybe make half a billion, you know.
1: Well, also, the imp- I mean, I'm so glad he's saying these things because I feel like I've been saying these things. But um, <laughs> the big thing is he's saying, let's make a movie for the people who love Star Trek and stop trying. He didn't say outright stop trying, but stop trying to make it for people who don't. Because you can't, that's where you're not going to please anybody that way.
0: Right. If, you, if you're if you going for people who've never seen a Star Trek movie, don't have an interest in it, especially in overseas markets, that's just really hard. Although the, the J.J. Abrams 2009 movie did that. And Into Darkness did it, too. They did get to new fans.
1: I'm not saying another movie wouldn't. They got to new fans because they were fun movies i mean particularly the first one i think but that it doesn't mean that you you sh- you have to make it for those people you can make a really great star trek movie that people want to see because it's great
0: it's always comes down to do you make it for that wider audience with the core fans or at the expense of the core fans right and the idea is to try to find the balance and be realistic about it so
1: And I think where some of that line lies is they think the thinking I believe has been to get the wider audience. It's going to be like explosions and those kinds of big, expensive blockbustery things. If the characters are great, the characters are going to be great and people will enjoy it. And you don't have to, you can tell a great story, which is what Star Trek really should be all about is telling great stories. And none of those movies, even though I enjoyed them, told a particularly great story.
0: The fact that Paramount seems determined to make this movie, they're probably cognizant of all of these things. And the fact that he's saying them is probably indicating that they are aware of these issues. So I don't see them throwing $300 million at this thing and going for a billion dollars. I suspect this time they will be more realistic. Now, obviously, the reason the 2018 attempt to make a fourth movie fell apart, is that they were shooting for a lower budget. And ironically, it was Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth who said no. So it is interesting that he's the one talking about this stuff. Maybe he has cut his rate. We don't know.
1: I doubt it. I don't know that that's how it works. But I mean, you know, as I don't know anything that you don't know. You know a lot more about this side of things than I do. But once, first of all, once you take Chris Hemsworth out, you've got some more money
0: yeah, that that's definitely frees up some cash. Yes. Anyway, that project st- still seems to be happening, but we don't have any firm. We know that pre-production starts on this date. So until we know that kind of stuff for sure, this is still a probably project, not a definitely project.
1: Right. We'll keep you posted on that as always. Now on to talk of another Star Trek movie, <laughs> which is Star Trek The Motion Picture.
0: The first Star Trek
1: movie. The first Star Trek movie, which I saw on opening day when it came out.
0: Amazing. So on Star Trek Day, they finally released the 4K remastered, updated version of the director's edition.
1: Now you saw it on the Paramount lot.
0: Yes. Right? Very exciting. So
1: t- talk about that a little.
0: It was fun. I brought my older brother who got me into Star Trek and he, he saw it opening night on midnight showing on Hollywood Boulevard back in the day and he had these great stories of what that was like and it was really fun for him so it was great to see it with him and everyone was there so it was nice to see all the people and you know it looked amazing so you know you should watch it on Paramount Plus if you're a fan but if you can see it at the Fathom events there's a 3 day event in May highly recommended i feel like everything that they've done yes it looks better 100% it's it sounds much better. I kept on hearing things I'd never heard before. Um, they didn't invent a lot of sounds, but they found a lot of stuff. And there's an interview we have that Brian did on the site where they get into this kind of stuff with uh, David Fine, who's the producer, and Brian's interview is really detailed. So, But what I find from this is it's just a better story. It, it just is more enjoyable. You Because know, I'm not, like Brian and Matt, a super fan of this movie. I admire the film, but, you know, it isn't my favorite Star Trek movie.
1: It's not my favorite, but I've always really, really liked it. And I always still feel that little kid excitement when I watch it. But I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to stream it yet. I'm going to wait until I see it in the theater with Brian.
0: What they've done is they've made it a more compelling film, a more interesting film, a more vibrant film. So if you are one of those people who's like, oh, you know, and you joke about it being the motionless picture or whatever, give it a shot and you will enjoy it, I think.
1: And then moving on to our next news topic, <laughs> um, the Voyager documentary. They released a little teaser.
0: The teaser's a weird word for it, because it was really right. it was a long teaser.
1: Like some stuff from it. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> um, but they showed a lot of talking heads and you know, the cast. We saw a lot of the cast members. We saw Brandon Braga, Rick Berman, Jerry Taylor. Um, and and we saw that they were talking about things that you would hope they would address in a documentary like this, which is some of the challenging issues like Jennifer Lean being let go and how that affected people and how it made them nervous about, about their future and other issues like that.
0: Yeah, which is good because we always want a documentary to be honest, but yeah. And, and it wasn't just that. So it wasn't focusing on that. So it was good to, you know, where they were being frank and honest, but there was also some interesting insights into characters. I realized uh, Ethan Phillips was talking about his secret to Neelix was that Neelix was in love with Catherine Janeway.
1: I love that fact. I find that fascinating. And I do watch the scenes differently knowing that. So and there was just some cute stuff with him and Robert Picardo, like goofing around, you know, and Garrett Wong doing his Kate Mulgrew impression, which is always entertaining. There's you know, there's there's fun. It's playful as well as serious.
0: And they're still shooting this documentary. Um, this was mostly interview stuff. And it also showed a wide variety. They've been shooting this for over a year. So they've done in studio stuff. They've done stuff at people's houses. They've done stuff. On the cruise. And so you'll see people in different locations. Some people are sitting around wearing sunglasses, some people on a stage in a more controlled environment. But I think it all works. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what else is going on, you know, because we want a good documentary. We want to see behind the scenes stuff and stuff from the 90s. If it's all this, talking head stuff, it will get dry. So that's why I'm not even sure this teaser is teaser's the right word for this. This is kind of like a, a selection of it, of the interviews they're getting.
1: Yeah. I was going to say selects, like they cut together some select. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, if it was just talking heads, it would be a podcast.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, I assume they'll cut in, you know, I I'm looking forward to whatever they dig up. I feel like they're going to unearth some good stuff. I remember them saying a while back, they talked about Garrett had done all this filming on the set or something.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. and there's some other stuff too. And of course there's the the million dollar stretch goal, special super secret thing they're doing, which we don't know what that is. You could still become a backer and pre-order the Blu-ray or the, the digital version or even get your name in the credits. And there's some other stuff like mugs and t-shirts and that the deadline for most of that stuff is on April 15th. And there's a link to it in our show notes on the website.
1: Now, there's still so much going on this month. You are getting ready to head to Chicago.
0: I fly out on Thursday. so Wow. And it's Wednesday. So,
1: <laughs> so pack up. <laughs> so Mission Chicago is now loaded with guests and panels and events, and they just keep announcing more.
0: It's looking really good. We'll be reporting on that on social media over the weekend and also look for articles for any news events. Over the weekend and over next week, and I'll obviously talk about it on the pod.
1: Yeah, well, I want to get a good debriefing when you come back. I wish I could go to, but that is not in the cards.
0: So let's talk about the, the card. Oh my god, there's still so much to cut, cover.
1: <laughs> I know before uh, we even, there's <laughs> more before the review, people.
0: <laughs> it's just, this is. I think we had more articles on TrekMovie.com in the last week than ever. Ever. I know we had a lot of traffic. So on top of all that, I interviewed Jonathan Fricks, I think we mentioned this earlier. So uh, to talk about his two episodes, which were last week's episode and this week's episode. Um, and it, it's worth checking out. He also talks about he was just about to go to Toronto to shoot his first episode ever of Strange New Worlds because he wasn't able to do season one. So season two is going to be his first I tried to get out of him if he was going to be directing the new Kirk. He, I don't know if he was faking this, but he's like, he's like, I don't know. uh, Is he in it all season long? And I'm like, I don't, you know, (laughs) like, why are you asking me? But it sounds like he is looking forward to how it's a different show. It's episodic and that kind of stuff.
1: Right. Like, I think the thing I, what I found really interesting about what he said was I got the idea that, He gets to have more of his own directing style. He said they have something of a guidebook, obviously, for the other shows because because they are not episodic. And so they definitely want a similarity in style from one to the next. And I think he has a lot more creative flexibility with an episodic show.
0: He gave us some insight into last week's episode. Remember, we were talking about the accent thing with... uh... Uh, Delancey, Q. yeah, and he said that Delancey came up with that on the spot, and he thought it was great. And they they argued with Terry and Akiva, who were kind of against it. And and here I'm going to actually back up Akiva and Terry on this because the more I think about that, the fun thing about Q is this: is that he would do character personas, right? But it was always part of a gag. So let's say Picard himself was sitting on a couch somewhere, and Q popped into the room. Q would put on a Sigmund Freud accent as part of a gag because he's playing to an audience always.
1: Right. He'd almost do like a fake nose and glasses as part of it.
0: Whereas here he's actually trying to be her psychiatrist. So he's not playing to an audience. He's actually infiltrating. So it isn't a gag. And yet he was doing a gag to her who's actually having a serious problem with, uh, you know, and thinking he's a real psychiatrist and she doesn't realize he's doing a, you know, over the top Sigmund Freud accent. So I, I, I I now get why, you know, but then I guess they're like, who are we to tell Jonathan Frakes and John Delancey what not to do, I guess.
1: Well, I mean, it's almost like the Kirk Thatcher thing from the other episode, which is that they come up, they came up with this idea on set. And did this thing that they thought was fun, which was him touching his neck, almost as if he remembers being neck pinched. And it's like the problem is that that is it is a funny callback and a great moment by itself. But it does have larger implications. Yeah, it just does. And same with Q doing that. It does have larger implications.
0: So uh, but
1: check, check out the interview for more details on that. I, we have
0: so much stuff to get to.
1: Let's just move I on. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, well, you talked to Orla Brady, too. You had a busy week. That's also an interview worth reading. I'm a big fan of hers. I think she's great. And she talked about, you know, finding out that she was going to play two characters, which she didn't know right away, and about the idea of the romance with Jean-Luc, which she also didn't know was going to happen. So she's she's smart and, and funny and seems to be really enjoying herself. And, yes, is familiar with the original series episode, Assignment Earth.
0: And, and she had, like, interesting things to say about Robert Lansing's performance and Mm -hmm. you know so she has studied the Star Trek and the lore and is into it what I thought was curious is she talked about how the plan was different at the beginning and I think we've talked about this that there was a season two plan a year ago that changed as they had more time and because of COVID and because they couldn't shoot it in the summer of 2020, I think they had enough time and they changed season two and maybe they changed it because of where they were headed for season three, because Terry said, I asked him a question on Twitter because, and he replied that they actually divided season two in half. And, and Akiva is more taking control of the second half because during the process of, crafting the second half of season two, Terry switched to focus more on season three.
1: Right. He was busy hiding everybody in closets.
0: (laughs) Exactly. We always knew there was a three season plan, but seasons two and three, because they were being shot back to back, I think perhaps are going to be even more. Season one and season two aren't really related to each other in any way. And it's possible that's also the case for season two and three where the is going to be kind of a hard end for season two, and then they'll start something new for three. But they, they've at least created the conditions for them to maybe be a little bit more interlocked.
1: Yep. With that, should we move into our review of this episode?
0: Yes. Let's talk about two of
1: one. I'm in conflict about this episode because the experience of watching it, I enjoyed very much. I really did. I had a good time watching it. But I feel like to do that, I sort of had to ignore all these like little raggedy threads that kind of stuck out and I had to decide I wasn't going to pull them. So the scenes are fun and the pace is quick and the story moves and elements are coming together. But there are so many points where I stopped and I was like, wait, that doesn't it doesn't. And I'm not talking about canon stuff necessarily. I'm talking about just story logic and things that just all of a sudden didn't make sense to me and stopped me and frustrated me a little bit. And I'm also now getting more convinced that it's a big simulation. Interesting. Interesting. But I have like a big, I have a list of things that are questions that I'm like, how did, I don't understand. How did this, how did this, how did this, what this doesn't make any sense. And then when I still sit, I mean, I sat and watched that episode a couple of times and I enjoyed it every single time.
0: To me, it was just kind of a lighthearted hearted although it did get serious at times. It was just an entertaining, fine Picard episode. It was nice to, and, and Frakes talks about this in our interview. It's fun to just get out on location. The whole thing is shot on location, except for the bit at the um, the clinic, which is actually something they built. So there's nothing on La Serena And I think people are having a little bit more fun with this episode. It, it I was hoping it was going to be more heisty stuff. You know, we've, and, you know, more Ocean's Eleven.
1: Well, again, what we wanted was everybody having an important role, I think, is what you're looking forward to, right? Like, you do this and you do this and this guy's doing this and Seven's doing this and Rafi's doing this. And again, we had sidelining.
0: Yeah, I mean, in the end, when you really zoom out, like most of the rest of the season, Picard did the the big thing. He talked Renee into not leaving the program. That was the goal of the mission. So he went in and did the thing that they wanted to do. And Agnes got them, got him into the room to do it because she did her thing. And she did her big distraction, which we could talk about later.
1: Oh, we so. have lots to say about that.
0: <laughs> so Agnes had a lot to do. He had a lot to do. Talon kind of was was his wingman. And then Rios, Seven, and Rafi had some drinks um
1: seven to the least of
0: anybody she actually didn't say a word until they got to the clinic later uh where she did have a couple good good lines there was definitely character stuff going on rafi is having some issues rios is also having his own issues because he's you know so they're having character development, but they really aren't.
1: Rios was slightly involved in the plot because he followed Renee long enough to track her.
0: This is one thing that I don't fully understand, is the guards are descending on Picard. All, mm-hmm. And then the singing happens. And then someone gives Picard a name tag and then everything's fine? Because he has a name tag now? Why didn't anyone spot the old guy with the astronaut.
1: Well weren't they off by they were off by themselves. She went off to be by herself to get away from everybody.
0: I guess, but w- I mean it, it seemed like the guards were trying to find him and they just gave up, I guess, once he got his security badge name tag.
1: I mean for me the least of it, I had so many other <laughs> things that that I kept going, wait, what? So <laughs> that was a small one. Like, I was like, my big one is what did Q need sung for? If all he was going to do was crash into someone with a car, Q could do that. <laughs> like There were so many different things that just didn't make sense to me. The best way to summarize how I feel about the episode is to talk about the mu- the musical number, because it had all those elements that I was talking about highly enjoyable to watch. She was phenomenal, very entertaining.
0: is that her voice by the way?
1: I would assume it is I thought she was I, I didn't great. know she could sing,
0: but it was good.
1: I thought she was phenomenal, but the idea, and this was part of why I think it 's a simulation too. the band just knows how to play with her and doesn't react to a total stranger that whoever's doing the spotlight knows exactly where she 's going to go, okay, you could have a good person who knows how to just okay run with it, follow with the spotlight, but the whole coordinated thing was, like, so fake. (laughs) Like, You know, that's not real life. It's not a Glee episode. Like, you can't just burst into song and have a coordinated band behind you knowing exactly how you're going to sing it. And yet, I loved watching it.
0: But the band were Pat Benatar fans, didn't you? I know, that was... They were. Did they actually worked as a Pat Benatar cover band of the weekends.
1: Yes, clearly yeah. Pat Benatar has is you know, st- well I guess it's you know, she's still loved now um, I do recommend that people go find the original video for that song because it's very 80s very 80s <laughs> the,
0: the other thing that ties to the simulation is we got another Elnor glitch where Rafi thinks she's seeing Elnor mm-hmm but that just could be her grief. I,
1: I'm now... It could be grief, but I mean, if you're actually hallucinating, you're in a bad place. And and this ties into the whole, you know, the way they're looking at mental illness, too, to me, is is troubling. And I brought this up last week, I think. But it's, more, it's intensified now, which is that we have, you know, she's hallucinating, which is problematic. Um, I like that she chose the club soda, though. That was a nice... Decision on her part. But we have this character, this astronaut who's so messed up that she's ready to quit. She meets Picard, who manages to get through to her by talking about basically like depression and melancholy. He used the word melancholy, which is a very interesting word to use, and it used to be used to mean depression. And he's explaining how serious this is and connecting it to his mother, who clearly suffered from some kind of mental illness. And then he gives her a pep talk and she's good. And you can't have it both ways. If it's that serious and it's a mental illness and it's a big problem, then a pep talk is not going to fix everything up.
0: So much of the season has been tied to the word fear. Fear is kind of the theme of the season. And I think the, the key to his speech, which was very Picard, and one thing I do like about the season is no matter what's happening, Card is holding on to the optimism of the 24th century TNG era.
1: I agree. And I loved his speech.
0: His speech reminded me of Star Trek generations and, you know, time is a predator, right? And then he turns around and says, no, time is a companion. So, but here he's talking about fear. He's saying that, that you shouldn't give up because of fear, that fear, what he says is fear, means that you are smart and you understand the risks.
1: He also said, which I loved, it doesn't speak in riddles. I mean, I used that speech on myself today, (laughs) honestly, about something. It was, I loved, I loved everything that he said and saying in the darkest circumstances, there's a light and you have to trust it and you have to find it. I, I loved his speech. I thought it was great, but it's not enough to cure someone of depression and anxiety. Those are not, conversation fixing
0: problems this is the thing we're talking about last week of is she truly suffering from depression and all this is she being kind of gaslit by q who's is kind of brainwashing her a little bit and so picard was doing a little deprogramming of the damage he was doing
1: but he did talk about his mother in that way that, and she said, wow, it feels like you really understand me. So he has, and even when he was talking to, I think, to Talon about it last week, he talked about how it can be, you know, completely crippling. So they're talking about it as a very big deal, which it actually is, and then being very quick to cure it.
0: Let's face it, all movies and television, when people are having a crisis of confidence... And a mental breakdown generally think that a good pep talk, just the right words, and people are cured. It's not realistic.
1: Well, I just think the reason they're making a point of the story is because it's such a big part of the conversation these days out in the world. So I feel like we're in different territory. Like, it, you know, yes, you're right. A lot, Star Trek always did that. Lots of other shows did that. But I think when you want to bring it up as this bigger issue... Then you have to treat it as such. And if they didn't play it up first, I would have bought it more.
0: Yeah, I get that.
1: I also think they're getting into something with his mother. Is she being dragged away because she's because she's crazy? I'm not supposed to say crazy, but is she being dragged away because she has a mental illness?
0: Yeah, it's not there. She's not being abducted by aliens
1: and dragged. No, although one of them looked was a creepy monster. Did yes. you notice? Yeah, there was a creepy monster think... in there. Is that his childhood view of it? That was more sort of simulation fodder for me. Like,
0: I think that we're seeing the world through a child's eyes. Yes. And he's an unreliable narrator of his own past. And I think Patrick Stewart has pretty much said that in an interview, that you may not remember things the way they really happened. Right. So I don't think there were monsters there, but I do think his mother had trouble and was taken away and it was traumatic for him. Um, And it's part of the reason why he decided to leave and join Starfleet.
1: And he saw them as monsters through his eyes. Those were monsters dragging her away, but I definitely felt like he was making a connection and we know these things are in families. And I think
0: next week is because this whole episode was told which I feel like they already did this once this season. So you get one a season, um, which is the old, you know, in media rest where you start the episode and then you go back.
1: I was going to ask you about that. I didn't think they needed that at all. I thought it actually worked better because I, because when he went off with her, I kept thinking like, what's happening to everybody else. But because I had seen, I mean, I wasn't thinking that because I knew he was going to be lying somewhere and I heard all of their voices. So I knew they were going to reunite.
0: Well, the reason it was done is to create the importance because it it feels like Picard is now trapped in his childhood memory at the end of the episode, which is right. where Talon is going to go into his brain. And which, by the way, if this is a simulation, is, is very Inception, like if she's going to go inside <laughs> his mind.
1: Right. Uh,
0: but and we're probably going to find the truth of what happened with mom. And mm-hmm. so that's why this episode kept on coming back to it is that all of his time, you know, on the um, at the clinic, he was trapped in this memory. Right. Now, speaking of monsters, we should talk more about the other important storyline, which is the Agnes Queen storyline here. Because there was a lot of character development and a
1: lot of plot. And apparently the board Queen has always wanted to perform. <laughs> that was the other part of that. So it's like, she's been yearning to sing? She's been... <laughs> And I, I have questions again. I love Annie Wershing is knocking it out of the park. She's she's blowing my mind. I love her performance. I love the banter between the queen and Agnes. It's it's riveting. But I still have I go, wow. So if you have the boar queen inside you, you can snap handcuffs off.
0: Well, here's what I think is happening. Here's I what was I hoping
1: mean. you would have an explanation for that.
0: Head cannon. Well, the, the snapping the handcuffs off is easy, which is so the board queen has some control over her internal systems, and we actually got the queen talking about this stuff a bit. Mm-hmm. She was talking about endorphins and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think she released some adrenaline and and she you know suddenly had super strength for like ten seconds and was able to break the handcuff, or it could be. Because we we know that there are some nanobots inside her body because the nanobots turned off the lights. The queen actually kind of said, you know, something to the effect of nanobots activate, deactivate lights. So there, there there is technology inside of Agnes, which is where the Queen's memories reside, and those but she doesn't have complete control because somehow Agnes's internal human chemistry was preventing her. All these stress hormones she was saying was preventing the queen from taking control. So Agnes thought she was sharing control and all of the stuff that happened in this episode, including the singing was just the queen's way to give Agnes what she wanted was Agnes to have a moment of joy because she wanted Agnes to get flooded with endorphins. Right. And and for some reason, the endorphins would would unlock her ability to take control of the body. So she doesn't, you know.
1: Yeah, I didn't need to know. I was like, that was good. Like I thought, as long as you're creating an internal logic, I will roll with that. I still I'm not buying the handcuffs explanation because it just doesn't make sense. But (laughs) but that part, I was like, okay, they gave me enough to work with.
0: So Agnes thought she had control over the queen. And she didn't this whole time, which I think was, you know, interesting. But the the question is, does Agnes enjoy some of the things the Queen is letting her do, like kiss Rios and sing and do all this other stuff? Like, in the end, is she going to start liking it? Is she going to become addicted to it?
1: Yeah, no, it's a good question. Because there's still a weirdness
0: of she's not borging out she's not growing you know cuz when we've seen the borg and the nanobots you you know there's no implants there's no things on her face it's all internal yeah
1: well she called her a house guest she called the borg queen a house guest
0: <laughs> yeah so what is the, is the queen being held back or incapable or is she choosing not to totally borgify Agnes. And I guess we'll find out next week. I mean, the team don't seem to be
1: concerned about where Agnes is. Yeah. yeah exactly. I was like, they go, has anybody, have you heard from her? No. And then they just move on. And I'm like, what, what, if that, why would they be not concerned? Why would they just assume she's fine? And I, that was another thing, another one that got me and stopped me in my tracks.
0: Yeah. It makes sense they get split up because of the chaos of the scene and they had to get the card to the clinic I thought Teresa was great. I think the you know the, it was great when she says, "Does he have any implants?" And <laughs> all said, of
1: them. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, she's definitely catching on that there's something weird about these people. Although she left them in her clinic all alone, because I think she has a thing for Rios. Because who
1: wouldn't, right? I do. So sure. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I sort of thought, and again, there were, there are so many little moments where I felt like the episode was cut; like scenes were cut and there were things that would have fleshed it out just a little and given it a little more flavor and a little more explanation, but it was a very short episode. And even just to have her react to the fact that the last time she saw Rios, he was locked up and now he's in black tie with beautiful people. Yes. And she didn't seem to, I mean, she, you know, yeah, he called her and she came and whatever, but she didn't seem to even a moment of that would have been good.
0: He did give her the, we're the good guys speech. And I liked how she reacted to that, which is the right reaction, which is when people say we're the good guys, it is kind of sounds fishy.
1: No, I liked her. And she was, she's like her defibrillator. Goes, Can't really handle what's going on with Picard. So yeah. that was good too.
0: Now there's a third storyline going on. So we got the first scene with Spiner and Stewart, which was great.
1: Yeah. And I have to say, I loved watching all of that play out on Patrick Stewart's face. Somehow the first time I watched it, I, I must've just looked away at the wrong moment. But when I watched it again, you see everything going through Jean-Luc's head. Like this is a song, you know, well, but his first
0: look, his first look was like, Oh my God. Yes. It was almost panic. And, and because then- he says
1: Picard, so starts by saying Picard.
0: Yeah. And then as soon as he says Adam Sung, you get this almost smile like Picard's going, Jesus, this family really does have a shallow gene pool. Yes. Um, you know, and, you know, and then, and, but then they start sparring in a great way. And, the, you know, one of the things that Frank said in our interview, and I think this comes through here, is you don't see data. I mean, and then it's not just because he's older. It's like, Spiner really is doing a great job. This is a different character than his Mm -hmm. other songs. Definitely more of a bad guy than any of them. They all kind of were ethically dubious, but this guy is seriously problematic.
1: Well, he's also just crossed a line himself that he didn't, for some reason, this was worse than the other stuff he'd done, which all sounded pretty terrible, like doing experiments on people who don't know that's happening to them. Is, is really terrible. This was a line for him that was a tough one to cross.
0: Now we we get a little bit more of Corey.
1: Well, here's one other one of those threads. You ready? Go,
0: this go ahead. Is,
1: she can't go outside. She can't do anything else. She's never Googled her dad's name before. Well, I was wondering, like, did she
0: not have access? Because there's kind of two rooms. Has she been stuck in the room and, didn't have a computer
1: in 2024
0: (laughs) that's the only thing that makes sense because otherwise yeah you're going to google your dad and and this brings up the thing we talked about last week because you see all these words that come up with his name including eugenics and you go oh well eugenics someone should mention the eugenics war um, but now we know that they never happened but he is definitely a bad dude who's broken all the rules and i think what we're going to see is that Corey's going to turn against him and try to stop him from whatever, even though his only goal is to save her. I think she's not going to be cool about that.
1: And is she going to, is she going through the same thing as Soji, which is a fake history that she. I mean, what I
0: understood from what she found is she is the last in a line of experiments.
1: Yes. But was she brought into being as the age that she is? Or was she brought into being as a child?
0: My guess is they had accelerated growth from babies. They weren't grown as adults. Because we saw little children versions of her. And she said, why don't I remember that?
1: But they had different names. They weren't her. It was Persephone and this one. and Yeah, that they had all had a whole bunch names. of different names. Lots but she
0: recognized names. the girl, meaning that looks like me when I right. was a child. So maybe, I mean... Because it doesn't. You know, how old is he? I guess because if he if he's gone through, it, let's say she's eighteen years old, he, he I think he mentioned at least five of them. You know? So he's not that old to have, you know. Some of them I guess died pretty young.
1: You no, know, but he said he said something about Persephone dying at six months, and the kid we saw was older than six months. So right, because right, there were other was, kids. There was an acceleration going on with each yeah. one. I mean, also, at this point, he's got to be some kind of clone because he always looks exactly the same, yeah. no matter which song he is,
0: but he referred to it as his work, not not his daughter, right even though he's also referred to his daughter, so she's definitely some kind of construct,
1: and now she knows
0: what we don't have from this episode, so all of this stuff is happening, and there's some entertaining stuff, but we still don't really get you know why did you know how does he become the leader we didn't move forward any of the kind of the big questions of what is Q's true motivation? Why does he have it out for Renee? Why does he want to change the timeline? What lesson does this give Picard? You know, what, and what Adam Soong's role in any of this is.
1: Yep. And it ties into my overall view of the show, which is that I'm, I'm more interested in storytelling than mystery solving.
0: And and why Talon is, Looks like Laris is another one. I mean, I like a good balance of move along the overall season arc so that we feel like we've moved forward and give us some character development and give us some fun. And I feel like this episode did some but not all of those things. It still was entertaining enough, but you it wasn't a great episode because I think, as you said, there was like pieces missing. But at least unlike last week, it was focused... It, it didn't have like just tangential weird stuff happening off in the corner that you don't care about. And, you know, everything was all about this party, all about keeping Renee on track, as it were. And everyone at least was in the same room together for a while.
1: But they do sometimes set things up and then go Like they have this whole thing of Talon talking about how she's never met her in all these years and she's done all these and, and it's her code. And then Picard... Not that he—I mean—he's right, but he's able to quickly just talk her into okay, screw that.
0: <laughs> he's got the Picard magic where
1: he—he he does, and and so it's, that's it's, again part of my conflict because I have one part of my brain saying, "Come on, she gave in so fast." The other part going, "Right, but when if Picard wanted to talk me into something, I'm sure he would be able to do it very quickly and efficiently. I mean,
0: there, there's certain characters like you know Jeb Bartlett in West Wing. You know, there's certain characters that have this. Magic, you know, where they can talk people into things. And that's their superpower, as it were.
1: Um, and that's consistent with who Picard has always been.
0: Yeah. So, no, I'm. I to be fair. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that at all. What's interesting, another side thing is that this, there were so many Easter eggs and nods and stuff like that in earlier episodes. And it's slowly but surely, and I, I'm fine with that. But is it early on this season, it almost felt like they were. You know, trying to lower decks this show into just just a fire hose of references. And there was a couple there was a nomad thing and the, you know, one of the displays and stuff like that. Um, but they have definitely toned that down quite a bit.
1: Well, because sometimes it's a little, you know, it, it can be a little distracting or a little bit again, like you feel like you're 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 supposed to pass a test. Right. Catch everything. So that part's okay. Plus they're, you know, so far in the past for them.
0: Yeah. That's but I, I
1: still, I still feel like with all that, there were still moments of fun that could have been had. Like it would have been fun to see everybody getting ready, like figuring out what they're going to wear to the gala. Like, I feel like there would have been great character moments. And I feel like they were maybe written <laughs> and didn't exist. Like I would like to see seven of nine forced to gussy up like that and figure out what she's gonna wear. I'd like to see her put on high heels and be like, what is the point of these? Like that would have been a really cool scene. Or her and Rafi going, Wow, you look beautiful. That would have been fun. Any of those moments of them sort of adjusting to this thing would have been the build up to the heisty kind of feel, which would have been fun.
0: It's it's quite possible that they just that that stuff was written and or shot, and they just felt like let's just get to the party.
1: Yeah, I to me that part would have been a nice build-up. I really did enjoy Rios talking about, you know, the food and the cigars, and Rafi noting that he's falling for someone. I thought that scene was great and had a bit of that fun flavor to it.
0: I mean, there is certainly a possibility that Rios
1: He's gonna Stay
0: st- like a seven likes the 21st century but if Rios has a more compelling reason to stay which is he's in love
1: yeah well and and he loves the trappings too like he's really enjoying the time they're in I think the only thing Seven likes is being seen as a human and not as a Borg but I don't think the rest of it is is compelling to her
0: but then this goes back to the thing I've talked a few weeks ago of Rios is the captain of the USS Stargazer and his only goal in life should be the life of his crew and his ship and not um, hitting on some doctor from the 21st century. I'm sorry. Right. I just want him to show some concern over his crew at some point.
1: Yep. I uh, agree. That seems so. reasonable. But no, I think
0: we've pretty much covered this episode. I think it's fine. It's entertaining. It's setting up some interesting exploration of Picard's brain next week. And hopefully we learn a little, little bit more about what's going on with Q and why he's doing all of these things. He's yeah.
1: Doing. Yeah. I mean, it's time to solve some of the big pieces so that we're we're heading towards that finale.
0: So let's move on to our bits of the week. Why don't you start us off?
1: All right. Well, mine is very simple, but it's just first of all, Gates McFadden is having a field day on Twitter ever since the uh, Terry Metalis thing. She's got (laughs) a lot to say and she's obviously listening. She's looking at people's tweets and commenting on them. So someone posted a Sub Rosa tattoo showing Beverly Crusher in the throes of pleasure. I mean, it is such a weird tattoo. And so Gates (laughs) quotes it and says (laughs) or retweeted it saying gotta say she looks relaxed. (laughs) So, which made me literally laugh out loud when I read it. And then I was going through her whole feed. So she's been having a lot of fun on Twitter and you should go have a look because she's got a lot of thoughts.
0: (laughs) Relaxed. That's what the kids are calling it. Okay. Yeah. um.
1: And that tattoo is wow. We'll put up a link to that.
0: (laughs) I know know that Kayla got a big kick out of that. Yes. Kayla's a bit obsessed with that episode. Mine is a little tech news, a little Star Trek tech. Um, Apple has filed for a patent and revealed they're researching creating a wearable speaker that is essentially like a TNG-style ComBatch. But it's not just a speaker. It's smart enough to direct the audio to your ears somehow so that other people can't hear it. So it's not just like having a speaker on your chest, but it would be some kind of wearable that would function just like a communicator.
1: Cool. I love all this Star Trek tech coming to life. I'm all for it. It's exciting.
0: And that's it for a big news-filled episode of All Access Star Trek, with a little bit, with a little episode uh, review on the side. Yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about Mission Chicago and about Episode Seven of Season Two of Star Trek: The Dark.
1: All right, we'll see you then.